This episode is sponsored by This Naked Mind Institute, our coach certification program, where we certify the next generation of coaches to help people find freedom and experience transformational and life-giving shifts that come from science-based and compassion-led learning. These coaches are empowered with world-class trainings, industry-leading tools and resources, and the most recent scientific studies to help others learn how to create real, rich, raw, and authentic lives free from alcohol. So if you're at the point in your own personal journey where you really want to help others and pay it forward to give what you've been given and help others find freedom, joy, and ultimate happiness, then I invite you to apply for the next class of This Naked Mind Institute and join our incredibly coaching community at thisnakedmindinstitute.com. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Coaching Questions. I am Scott Pinyard, the head coach of This Naked Mind, and I am joined this week by one of our incredible coaches, Carolina. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm super excited to be on the show today. I think we're going to have a fun time. I think so too. So Carolina, you specialize in younger gray area drinkers, navigating, socializing, and working through what an alcohol-free lifestyle could mean for their life and achieving their biggest dreams. Um, I'd like you to just sort of expand on that a little bit, and then we can get into some questions. Yeah, that, that really does sum it up. But, you know, right now I'm currently 34 and I, um, I, I stitched alcohol when I was 30, which I mean is young-ish, right? By all accounts, I think when it comes to an alcohol-free lifestyle. And, uh, you know, I still had the, the tired mornings, the Monday mornings, the restlessness, the, the just the crazy loop of alcohol for an entire decade plus. Um, but I just got so sick of it. And I really felt so stuck in life, super unfulfilled with what I was doing at that point with my career and um, just kind of snoozing on a lot of my life goals that I had when I was a child. And so when I changed my relationship with alcohol, you know, not only did I have to do it at a point in my life when I was still quite young and, and navigating the social scene and things like that, um, I'm a huge introvert. So, you know, re recognizing how I can socialize even more confidently without alcohol was a big lesson for me, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it really opened the doors to those someday goals that I had kind of put on the back burner, uh, when I, when I turned in a, into an adult and gave me all of the confidence and motivation I needed to go after them. And that's now what I really care about the most is it's like, it's not about a drink or a beverage at the end of the day. It's about living your life completely alive and going after what you want the most, right? And I think removing alcohol from your life really gives you the space and the courage and the motivation and the confidence to do all that. Uh, personally, I wrote a book, you know, I launched my business, I became a certified coach. Um, and so it's just opened the door to everything I always wanted, but didn't believe was possible for me. You know, it's interesting. I thought I was young when I quit drinking, right? I quit drinking when I was 35. Um, and when I say I thought I was young, it's just compared to my other friends. I did everything first, right? Like I got married first. I had a baby first. I got divorced first. I quit drinking first. But I'm seeing more and more people um, at younger ages really starting to question, is this working for me? Right. And it might be that they're, you know, it might not be that they're in a position where it's caused like massive issues in their life, other than issues just with their day to day experience. And that's something that the people that, you know, kind of jumps out at me about the work that you do is working with these people um, in their 30s, you know, and and helping people before they go even farther down that road. So when someone comes to you, like, where do you where do you normally see people at in their journey when you start working with them? 
Absolutely. And I think like, what's the behind this? It's like this, this heightened consciousness that we have either in the time of our lives or in this, in, in this year or whatever it looks like. It's this heightened consciousness where, you know, people really do value wellness and, and consciousness and mindfulness. And these topics are starting to become very mainstream for people. And there's this incongruity, right? When you value those kinds of things and yet alcohol doesn't allow you to show up like that. Um, and I think that that's starting to become something that people recognize they're getting that cognitive dissonance around alcohol younger, you know, like I personally was not comfortable with my relationship with alcohol for at least seven years before I made any changes, you know, like yeah. I knew, and it wasn't like rock bottom. It wasn't that bad. It was fine. It was what everyone else was doing, but I knew in my heart, it, it wasn't in line and in, in integrity with who I wanted to be. But I ignored that voice and I, you know, was just doing what everyone else was doing and, and socializing and everything like that. But, I, you know, especially with some of my younger clients, I'll, I'll work with people in their late 20s. And I'm just like, so when a woman like that comes to me, I am so incredibly amazed at the depth of her intuition, because yeah. I think that's what it really is. It's this intuitive voice that's saying you are made for more. You don't have to live a life that way you can choose this other way. And it could be the most proud, bold, courageous choice that you make. And it might open the door to what you want most in your life. And, you know, whether it's someone who's aspiring to be an entrepreneur, someone maybe who wants to write a book or someone who just doesn't want to do exactly what their parents did, you know, with the whole nine to five, get married, have 2.5 children. Like we're shaking things yeah. up, I think, in our generation to live a little differently, travel if you want, you know, all these different things. And I think that shakeup is happening with the alcohol relationships as well. So I think it starts with awareness and then that intuitive voice to just allow yourself to keep questioning, what do I want most? What do I want my life, life to look like? Do I want to wake up feeling like this? Do I want to be doing something just to fit in? I mean, right. <laughs> the ridiculousness of that from hindsight is, is just incredible, but it's, it's kind of hard when you're in the thick of it. One of the things I love about what you said there is that that little voice that's kind of in the back of your mind, like, is this really what I want to do? And I, I think, you know, and, and this is shifting, right? Culture is changing and all of that, but it's still very much the case that there is a, I guess I'll say a pro alcohol bias in society, right? Like this is what you do. Everything from like the coming of age and going to college to being a young professional, like it's so heavily woven in but as you point out like a lot of times we have this inner dialogue about it that's kind of like is this really where I want to go like is this really helping me and I think for sure with the pandemic and, and this has happened across all different you know ages and lots of different people and we're seeing the effects of it now but like a lot of people are taking a step back and really thinking about is this what I want or maybe a better question is like, is this getting me where I want to go, right? And one of the things that you mentioned in sort of your summary of what you do is this idea of achieving your biggest dreams through an alcohol-free lifestyle. And one thing that jumped out at me when I read that was so many people, when they come to the point where they wanna make a change in their alcohol, they're generally getting to a point where frankly, life kind of sucks, right? There might, there might've been some really big consequences, um, whether it be personal or legal or, um, work-wise. Um, but they're rarely actually thinking about what is beyond that. 
And what I like about the way that you're laying this out is the idea that you're actually saying like, no, 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 you can actually achieve these dreams with an alcohol-free lifestyle. Um, so when someone comes to you to kind of start working with you, like how do you, how do you sort of navigate that? Because so many people are so focused on the alcohol, yet you're saying, and, and I know this, and I think a lot of people who go through this know like, no, 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 the real prize is what happens after. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I think I'm attracting basically based on my message and, and kind of the way I frame it, I think I'm attracting people who that really turns on and they really get this light bulb moment of like, wow, like what would be possible for me? You know, personally, I knew what drinking felt like. I know how I felt on Monday mornings. I knew, you know, the fallouts of it. I knew all the struggles of trying to moderate. Like I knew that story so well. There came a point where I was like, I don't know what I'm capable of as a non-drinker. And I'm really freaking hungry to find out, right? Yeah. Like, let's really take off all of the training wheels and the ways I kind of sabotage myself and really go for what I want most in life. Because at the end of the day, you know, we sit with this fear of, I think, well, what if I did try my hardest? And what if I did go for things that I could fail out and kind of outside of the box? Yeah. And it's this fear of failure, you know, that we have. And yet at the end of the day, when we're all 90 years old on our deathbeds, it's not going to be that fear that keeps us awake at night. It's going to be regret for the things we didn't do. And, you know, I was 30 years old. I was working, a, 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 I was working in a higher education institution. I say sometimes corporate because it was really similar. <laughs> uh, but, um, I always had these dreams of traveling, like really just being one of those nomadic people who travels whenever they want. I had dreams of not having a boss. I wanted to write a book so badly. I had been wanting to be an author since I was like six years old. I wanted to have financial freedom. I wanted to be someone who makes an impact in other people's lives. And none of those things were happening for me. Literally the highlight of my week was a bottle of wine at the end of the weekend. Right. And that's yeah. where this dire unfulfillment was coming from. And while I truly believe that, you know, as the snake and mind teaches and um, I share with my clients as well, we are all conditioned into this alcohol habit. Like you can't escape that living in our society and the repetition of habit combined with that societal conditioning makes a really strong presence in our lives. However, I think sometimes when you look into the deeper psychology of someone, you can, um, figure out like, what well, what if alcohol was slightly a mask for a deeper unfulfillment that they were feeling? whether that is in the career, whether that is maybe in their relationships or their lifestyle. And I think from that angle, you can then, you know, once you remove alcohol, once you start changing your mindset around it, you're left with this beautiful state of having all this em empty space in your mind, first of all, right? This creativity that starts bubbling up in that space. You also are getting that confidence because, you know, alcohol is like an Achilles heel for so many people. And once you start really smashing that it's like, well, geez, like what else am I capable of? You know? Exactly. Yes. I mean, personally, I, when I was a drinker, I thought entrepreneurs were tech geniuses that lived in the Silicon Valley. Like me being this <laughs> shy foreign kid, it did not equate to entrepreneur. I never yeah. thought that was a possibility yeah. for me. And when I ditched alcohol, that just opened the door of the, all the other limiting beliefs in my mind to start questioning them and be like, that's, that's false. Like I could, share my gifts. I have incredible gifts to share. And, you know, all those things I had like wanted and was really jealous of other people that they had. I started instead of wishing for them, creating them in my life. Yes. And, yes. you know, I just, within my first year of alcohol free, I launched my business. I actually wrote my first draft of my book in my first year. 
<laughs> I uh, quit my job eventually. And then I started traveling. Like I did everything I wanted to do. And now I have even bigger dreams, you know, and I'm not an anomaly, you know, like you, you know, this very well, mm-hmm. this is a very common story for many, many people, because like at the end of the day, it's not a glass of wine that we want. Like we want fulfillment. We want meaning in our lives. We want purpose and we want to feel like we matter and that we're showing up for our legacies and our, the impact we can make. And so I think it just opens so many doors to just so many new passions, so many new even beliefs that this is actually possible for me. You know, Mm -hmm. your self-worth, your self-esteem goes up when you change your relationship with alcohol and even having, allowing yourself to just dream because you have a different state of mind to see possibilities instead of limitations. I love all of that. And you said something there, you know, it's not a glass of wine that's going to fulfill you. I want to go back to the very beginning of this journey when you work with people. Um, because as we already kind of pointed out, like generally people earlier on younger people tend to have not really run into some of the really big roadblocks that makes people question. So I'm curious, right. When you work with your clients, what are, what are some of the things that they see, or what are the, some of the things that you see for someone who is younger, who might be questioning this? Like, how do they know if this is a thread they should pull, right. Or a path they should follow. Yeah. I mean, I think one being interested in it and already like being someone who listens to a podcast like this or reads a book like this, or, you know, I think that's already a sign that like, that's something that there's something in there for you. And it's not like, oh, you're interested in this because this is going to be a major problem in your life. It's like a, it's like a way your soul's trying to wake you up. I think Mm -hmm. we, uh, like in, in, in most cases, whether it's through alcohol or not with just the repetitiveness of life, we kind of fall asleep at the wheel. We kind of get into these routines and we kind of settle and, you know, we kind of just live these lives based on getting by. And I think life comes to wake us up. And sometimes those can be those really tragic, you know, heartbreaking kind of uh, um, things that happen in your life. But sometimes they're just these gentle nudges from the universe. Right. And so I think when someone starts, you know, really questioning and, and starting to work with me, Um, for one, when I, when I work with a client, the first time I meet them or something, I just see this gift in them. Like, I just see this burning potential in them. And I start to gauge like what their interests are and what they care about and, you know, what really matters to them. Sometimes it starts even by asking like, well, what social causes pull at your strings, you know, like just really getting a sense of what they care about. Um, and then obviously we have all of the debunking of the alcohol mindset and really, and really uh, changing your relationship with that. But towards the end of my programs, I always guide people to these, this discovery framework to really discover what are their deeper desires. And either sometimes someone already knows, you know, like personally, I always, always knew I wanted to write a book. Like that was always on the forefront of my mind. In fact, I had these new year's resolutions, Scott, every year in my twenties, I had a new year's resolution that I would write more that year. And every year I never got more than a paragraph every Mm -hmm. single year. And it was heartbreaking because I was like, you know what? This is never going to happen for me. I'm just not born to be a writer. I I should just give up. Like that's seriously how I thought about it. And literally the first year I went alcohol free, I wrote an entire draft of 65,000 words, you know, like it just happened. Um, But when my clients start to discover, you know, I'll offer them sometimes different quizzes, different questions. For example, one really good one is like, who are you jealous of? You know, who in your life are you jealous Mm -hmm. of? And often jealousy is helping us point to something we inherently desire or that we wish we were doing, you know, so maybe there's that friend from high school who became a public speaker and you're like, 
why her? She was pretty dumb. Like what, what's going on with that? You know, but that can be a clue that maybe you have a message inside of you that you wish you were sharing with the world. So mm-hmm. after all the alcohol, you know, mindset's been transformed. I really work with my clients about one, discovering what that, that deeper passion might be, and then giving them the tools and the framework to start taking those baby steps towards it. And if someone already knows, like, like I said, then really getting uh, the implementation activities really going and rolling. And I mean, they are just so thrilled. It's like the thrill you get from doing a new endeavor like that, you know, whatever it is, any new project, any new place where you are a creator, you are a builder, like that's the high we're all looking for in alcohol, right? Only this high actually like fulfills you and yet may, and also makes this ripple effect because you're affecting so many other individuals on this planet with Mm. your message or your, you know, your business or your project or whatever it is. So it is just such a huge difference of how we go about finding contentment and happiness in our lives. One thing that really stands out to me about what you said there is this idea of potential, right? And I think back to my own journey and I can remember being, you know, right out of college. So like 23, 24, but also when I was 30 and starting to get to the point where I was questioning it, I think one thing that stands out to me is feeling like maybe this, well, maybe not wanting to admit it, but feeling like maybe alcohol is standing between me and where I want to go, you know? And I think it's a, it's a interesting time, you know, in your twenties and thirties, cause you're like figuring things out and like, you know, being a grown up, quote unquote. Right. But like, there's so much ahead of you. Um, and I love the idea of focusing on that passion about like, where can I go? Right. And is this something that's, that's holding me back? Um, another question that I get a lot from people, especially especially younger people when it comes to this, is the question of socializing. Um, so I mentioned earlier, right, our, we are like so deeply steeped culturally in alcohol um, that this can feel, this can feel almost impossible. Um, so how do you work with your clients around this? Like, how do you help them kind of discover ways to do this and, and be comfortable doing this, you know, without alcohol? Yeah. And that's a really great question. And um, I'll just share a little background about me that I am a, I'm very much an introvert and I grew up really shy. So when I first started drinking, alcohol was like this magical elixir that turned me into an extrovert, you know, like I used it to feel more confident when I was socializing. And I did that for the entire decade of my twenties. Mm. I felt like I was, I, I literally felt so insecure in an event until I got like my first glass of um, alcohol or wine or whatever it was. And I didn't realize, you know, obviously these beliefs are so innocuous. Like, I mean, one, there's two kinds of factors. One, there's that like, okay, social anxiety, or, you know, you just get more courageous or it just kind of smooths over the rough edges. So you get that kind of boost of confidence from alcohol. And then there's the expectation and that's what we all do. Right. So it's kind of twofold. But for me, you know, like I I totally outsourced my confidence and sociability to alcohol. And what I didn't realize at the time that obviously I've done a lot of introspection around is that every time I reached for a drink at a party, I was literally telling my subconscious, you are not enough. You are not interesting. You are not likable. You, nobody wants to talk to you unless you have this, this chemical flowing through your veins. And it actually was deteriorating my, my confidence Mm. and my self-esteem. And to tell you the truth, I wasn't that confident. I was so insecure all night. I was like, do I have wine teeth? Did they notice I went for a third? Like, did I say something like out of character? You know, like the the monkey mind was going crazy. 
And so personally, like I had to learn to really debunk that idea that I could be myself authentically as I am. And that is going to be the most confident version of me. And I had to practice it. Like it was a little awkward my first few times and I practiced and I got out of my shell. And, you know, now I really feel like I can connect and be really, truly present with the people I'm socializing with. And so I think there's this like secret to learning how to really be confident in your own skin as who you are when you're socializing. And it really just takes practice. But then the second, the second thing that happens is like, well, we all have this expectation that we all have to drink. And I love to think of it as really like, you know, there's different worldviews, there's different paradigms, there's different concepts and constructs in our world that are entirely made up. Like they're not based on facts or the law of gravity or like anything that has to be the way it is. You know, even our concept of capitalism and money and patriarchy, like all these things humans created and humans created this culture that drinks just like they created a culture that smoked on planes 60 or 70 years ago, right? Like it's- Wasn't that long ago. I am not that old and I remember it. (laughs) Like it's completely arbitrary, right? And so, you know, kind of seeing, like kind of taking yourself a little objectively out of it. Like I love to call alcohol sometimes a beverage because I'm naming it as a category. And when you think of it, it's like, it's just a beverage. Like does what's in your cup really matter? Like how crazy is that? You know, when a vegetarian goes to a dinner party, is everyone judging them or thinking, saying something weird about them because they chose the salad instead of the chicken wings? Like it's 2021, you know, hopefully probably not, right? Like it doesn't matter what the hell, what kind of food you have on your plate. Why should it matter what beverage you have in your cup? And a thing that I really love to tell my clients is that there's this one uh, um, study or statistic survey that went out uh, that shared that around 52% of Americans wish that they drank less or not at all, Yeah. right? And when I, when I share that, it's, it's to really show someone that when you go out and you feel like you're the odd one out, you're the only one who's not drinking, you're the only one who said no thanks that night, the majority, at least half of the people next to you actually secretly wish they were doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. They secretly want what you have, but might not have the introspection or the courage or the motivation to be there yet. Yep. And so you are not the odd one out. You are the leader. You are the role model. You are the inspirer, right? Like everyone doesn't want, like nobody wakes up feeling great after drinking. Nobody on this planet. It doesn't matter what kind of drinker you are, whether you're a light drinker or not. Yeah. Nobody feels good after drinking. And so most people want what you have, but again, they just haven't done it yet. And so when you kind of reframe it that way, you're not the odd one out. You're not the one with the problem. You're not the abnormal one. You are really the leader and elevating kind of your company and what you, what you do in your life. And I think as someone goes alcohol-free and they really start doing these new pursuits, these new creative projects, I mean, going to the bar till 2 a.m. just stops being on the radar and you start attracting really friends. Does. Yeah, who are building businesses themselves or, you know, diving deep into their spiritual growth or whatever outlet it happens to be, you find people who are really attracted to this elevated version of you as well. And you guys find a new way to connect and bond, you know, like it's crazy. You would think I, this happens because of what I do, but I attract non-drinkers everywhere I go now. And Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily just because I'm in the alcohol-free movement. I attract them in totally other scenarios and different conferences for personal growth, all this different stuff. And it's because I'm putting myself in these, these populations of people who are so growth oriented and want to, you know, go for their fullest potential. 
and drinking is really irrelevant in that space. It's, it's crazy to me how many non-drinkers I'll meet every time I, I, I go around. Um, and I think that's can, what really can happen with someone's social life. Like one, you might be the one who inspires all your friends. And I think that was definitely true for me. You know, not necessarily everyone quit drinking just because I did. Sure. But it definitely became something on their consciousness and they might've started mm -hmm. drinking yeah. less. Some of them did actually, you know, take breaks or, or go alcohol-free themselves. But another cool thing that happened is that I also uh, influenced a lot of my friends to go after their dreams. So a lot of people started their own businesses and started writing books that I know. So it's just crazy. If you just change the, the mindset just slightly to instead of thinking odd one out to like inspire, you can have a whole new sense of pride about it. And you can really think about it. You know, this is so much bigger than me. Like someone who's questioning my choices at a party, like this is so much bigger than me. I'm representing yes. a movement that shares that our well-being is more important than fitting in, that our dreams are more important than a beverage. And I'm proud to wear that label, you know? Yeah. Oh man, there's so much there. But one of the things that you touched on that I think is so, so important for people to understand in this, and this is absolutely true for the socializing around drinking question, as well as for like, what now, or what else can I do? is this idea of story, right? And like the way we view ourselves, the way I say it is the way we view ourselves, the world and our place in it. And I come back over and over when we help people through our programs, this question around socializing, it's normally, there's a very similar pattern I see almost every time, which is one, I'm full of fear. I'm really concerned about what people are gonna say or how I'm gonna feel, or I'm an introvert, how am I gonna act? And it feels like this huge, overwhelming thing. And then they do it. And it's nowhere near what they expected. And one of the things that I think is great about this is it really illustrates to people this concept of whatever you want to call it, story or belief or like how your own thoughts are setting up your own expectations. And you talk about this too, with the idea of this, you know, what are we going to do after alcohol, like going after our dreams? And that was, you know, again, like one of the things that stands out to me about what you do is you really focus on helping people find that. Um, and so for me personally, and I'd love to hear from you, like one of the things actually really of when I look back now that stopped me from quitting drinking actually were those desires and dreams and goals that I was afraid of. And so, you know, in that time for me, it was way easier for me to sit on my couch and drink scotch than to go put myself out there, right? Then to go do something that has like, you know, it's tightrope walking without a net compared to walking on the sidewalk is what it felt like. So I'm curious how that was for you and kind of how you see that with your clients. Oh, yes. And, and I think, you know, like back when I had those dreams myself, it's so much easier to drink a bottle of wine than write the next great American novel. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think subconsciously, I don't think it's very conscious because I was, I, I really identified as like a social, you know, happy drinker. I drink on the weekend. I drink to celebrate. Like I, I didn't really feel like I was drinking out of sadness or I wouldn't have consciously been able to say anything like that to you, but I really felt like it was this mask or this, uh, this, this almost way to even sabotage is also a very strong word, but for lack of a better one to yeah. like really have that excuse of why all this stuff that I wanted isn't happening. Cause otherwise it would have been too confronting. Like you say you want all yeah. this and yet you're doing nothing about it. 
you know, that's really confronting. So alcohol became this perfect, you know, kind of excuse of, of why, of why it wasn't really happening. Not only excuse, but also a way, at least, sorry to interrupt, but like also a way to like soothe those feelings of why am I not doing this? Right. Yeah. And, you know, personally, like it was hard to uh, ascertain this at the very beginning. I've done a lot of introspection, obviously after, but, you know, it was a way for me to play small. It was a way for me to withdraw from the world. It was a way for me to just not want to shine big and play big. And I think, you know, Mm -hmm. we are terrified, not just of failure, you know, obviously that's a big one. Like starting out as a beginner, you know, that's terrifying. Having people see you start out as a beginner, the embarrassment that we feel from that, um, you know, having things just not go your way, you know, feeling like you don't know how, what you're doing, all those things are terrifying. But I think also there's this huge component of it. We're also terrified of success. Like we are terrified of outshining other people, of losing belonging and acceptance because, you know, maybe we're succeeding. And of all the, perhaps the criticism or judgment and or rejection that can also happen with success as you, as you kind of get bigger and and more people have an opportunity to not like you. Right. Yes. And so all of these things are very terrifying. And I think, you know, for me, when I looked back, when I was at that junction of deciding, you know, do I want to go back to drinking or not? Cause I always framed it for me as a break at first. Um, I really had to ask myself, like if alcohol was a way of playing small for me, if it was a way of, of of giving myself a pause on these life dreams. If I ever go back to it, isn't it going back to accepting that those things won't happen for me to accepting Mm -hmm. the status quo. And, you know, you said that it's so much easier to walk on that sidewalk, but it's also incredibly painful. Our comfort zones might be easy because they're familiar, but they are so freaking painful. You know, it's like, there's a burning desire and knowing that you could be doing more and yet you just not. And that is really this, this idea I was sharing earlier. Like when we come to the end of our lives, it's not the things that we fear that we'll be, you know, regretting. It's the things that we didn't do. Right. I think regret will weigh so much heavier. And I honestly believe that taking a, a, a break from alcohol or changing your relationship with alcohol and going alcohol free starts to give you the courage to face those fears. Because when you think about it, like we were just saying, you know, you might be the only one in your friend circle who's doing it and ordering a mocktail at a bar takes courage and asking a waiter and telling someone takes courage and you start to build that muscle and you stop worrying so much about what people will think of you. And that skill really applies for when you're going for your next big endeavor, because trust me, I'm sure for you, you know, quitting your, your good cushy corporate job is blasphemy to some people, just like it was for me, you know, it was, I had a lot of people say, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so like our lives, the ways that they're lived most authentically for us, for our dreams, for our inherent desires, they are going to be out of the box for some people. And we do have to get over the hump of worrying about what other people think. And something that really can be helpful is, you know, do those people's opinions matter? Are those people going for their dreams? Are the people who called you out and said that, you know, what are you doing? Like, that's crazy. Are they saying that because they also denied themselves the ability to go after what they want and now they have to make excuses about it? You know, we get so stuck in what people think and, you know, people's opinions in so many ways. Um, And it's, we have to just really ask ourselves, does that person's opinion like matter? Are they going after their dream life? If not, yeah. then they're, they're really irrelevant. They really don't know what they're talking about in this scenario. Right. 
Um, and I think confronting that fear and yet going for it can be also the most exhilarating thing you ever do. So you walk that tightrope one day or you try something new. I mean, I remember just building my website, Scott. I was like, I, I didn't even believe I, it was possible for me to have a website. Like yeah. that was just in the realm of that's what other people did, not me. And the first little afternoon that I spent just building a website, like really not the biggest deal in the world. I was like super women. I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. I'm, I have a website now. I did it. I bought it. I, I designed it. Like the pride I got out of getting out of my comfort zone was crazy. And, you know, that's just one small step. And you do just another little baby step after that. Like, it's just these little baby steps that add up. You lay down one brick, you know, every single day, and eventually you'll have a house. So I don't really like to coach or talk people into like, well, you're quitting your job and moving to yeah. Nepal to study Buddhism for a year. It's not these <laughs> drastic changes you have to yeah. make. It's everyday little baby steps of just consistency of going after your dreams. If someone has a desire to write a book, like, can you carve out half an hour once a week to work on it? You know, like it's not these huge, big things that you have to commit to. It's just allowing some space and some, some little bit of discipline to come in to really go after what you want. And I think once you start getting out of your comfort zone on a more regular basis, that becomes again, the new high that you, yeah. that you love to chase. And you, you really realize, wow, everything I want is outside of my comfort zone as the saying goes. And like, that was actually way more painful than I ever knew. Um, it's all about momentum, right? It's all about these small steps. And like, that was one of the things for me with that fear of like, I love the example of moving to Nepal. Like, I'm like, oh man, if I quit drinking now, I've got all of these things in between where I am and where I want to be. And so that means that first I quit drinking and then like, I just blow up my life and start over. But what I hear you saying, which is absolutely the case, that's the way it was for me, it's the way I've seen lots of other people, is that it's not really about this idea of getting rid of alcohol and then blowing up your life. It's about getting rid of alcohol and then using that space to take one step, you know, just one step. And you know what? There's a very good chance you could be completely wrong about what you think you want to do. You know, I spent a lot of time thinking I wanted to be a teacher. I was an engineer, but I was thinking I wanted to be a teacher. And that... At the time, I can see where I was coming from, but now, like, I, I ended up finding coaching, I ended up finding what I do now, and it is so rewarding and fulfilling for me. So when I first quit drinking, yeah, I was looking at, like, graduate school and, like, how do I do this? But then because I was spending that time, because I was taking that one step, I actually started to further define for myself what that might even be. Um, and I just think that's so key, this idea that, like, it is not about, like, the entire journey up front. It's about like, what are you doing with that time? And what are you doing with that energy that you're saving around alcohol? Um, I think you encapsulated that really well. Um, we need to wrap up, but before we do, um, I have a curveball question for you. But before I ask that, I heard you wrote a book. Is this true? Yes. So I'm so excited. My book is called Euphoric Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. And it's on bookshelves as we speak. Um, you know, this book really started when I went alcohol free my first year. And I really wanted to write a book for the mainstream because, you know, when I first started Googling things and just looking into my relationship with alcohol, I found those books about rock bottom. I found those really heavy drinking stories. And I just didn't want to be typecasted like that. And it, so it, it didn't help me very much. And so this book is really for the casual drinker, you know, the social drinker who's starting to feel like it's not aligned with their life anymore. 
And basically it paints this picture of why uh, taking a break from alcohol or going alcohol-free is so amazing. And I divide it into body, mind, and soul. And so obviously you get all the incredible health benefits. I mean, personally, my cholesterol dropped 51 points. And I think that's an often unknown uh, result of ditching alcohol is these incredible health markers really, really improve. Um, But from your health to your mindset, to your kind of like the beliefs you have about yourself. Like I was saying, I had so low self-esteem and then all of a sudden I'm like, anything is possible for me and just how that process works. And then also your soulful, like the things that really we prioritize in life or or want to like our gratitude and our connection, just how taking a break will affect all of these things. So it just makes this life sound so juicy, so rife with possibility. And then the end of the book actually gives someone an eight week guide to follow, to, to take this break from alcohol renegotiate their relationship with alcohol, change the mindset, just like this naked mind teaches, but then towards the end, start seeding those questions of what do I desire instead? What do I want more? What, uh, what, what I really feel is the next kind of chapter for me and starting to really, um, give someone like those really great exploratory questions to, to get there. And so again, the book is called euphoric ditch alcohol and gain a happier, more confident you, and you can find it at euphoricbook.com. Um, and I'm just so excited to be part of this movement, you know, with you, Scott, Annie, all the other people who are part of this, like, this is really a revolution. I think we are on the brink of, if not already, like the floodgates are opening. And, um, I think we're really changing our conversation around alcohol, around, um, wellness, around consciousness, around so many beautiful different things and really changing this idea that one must drink to be an adult. Like that's this BS code we've had for, for many, many years, but it's just a construct. And I think we're really paving a new way. Um, and so, yeah, I would just be, if, if the, that piqued your interest, I would just be so heartened if, uh, if, you, if you supported and got a copy. Um, but this is like a, the culmination, like I was saying, Scott, of me having this dream since I was six years old, snoozing on it the entire time I was a drinker and finally getting to a point four years it took to write. So one brick after another, every single day for four years. Yeah. Uh, But now it's here, you know, and I'm just, I'm so proud of that. And I'm also just see that anyone else can do the same exact thing if that's what their heart desires. Oh, so good. So check out the book. Thank you, Carolina. Let's do the curveball question. I am going to give you a choice. You can have one of the following superpowers. Would you rather be invisible or able to fly? Fly. Whoa, that was fast. Why? <laughs> Why fly? So one of Normally my biggest, people think about these things. <laughs> normally, um, so my one of my biggest values in life is freedom. And, you know, I love to travel. I love to uh, explore new places. And um, I think the ability to fly would give that that freedom really to me and to be able to explore new, new territories and, and have all the autonomy I need to to get there, right? So I actually have dreams of flying. Um, and sometimes when, if you've heard of lucid dreaming where you can kind of mm-hmm. control your dreams, anytime I'm able to do that, which is pretty rare, I'm not that you know skilled at it. Um, <laughs> what I want to do is fly. So that's how I, that's how I live my dreams in my dream life. <laughs> well, there you go. That's an answer. One more time, give me, the, give me the name of the book and how people can find you. It's euphoric, ditch alcohol and gain a happier, more confident you. And you can find it at euphoricbook.com. And if you would like to work with me or check out, you know, my podcast or any other resources, you can find me at euphoricaf.com. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Carolina. It was great to talk to you. I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Scott. It was a lot of fun. 
Are you realizing that there's something more? That you're so excited about this change in your life, maybe you've put down the bottle for good, and you just wanna pay it forward. You wanna help others in their moments of need move through that discomfort. You wonder what it feels like to celebrate you with your own journey by paying it forward and giving back what you've been given. Now's the time to find out. Enrollment is now open for our coaching certification program with This Naked Mind Institute. In just six months, you can receive the training, the resources, and tools you need to become our next certified coach so that you can start your entrepreneurial journey or grow your already existing business while helping thousands of others to find freedom, joy, and happiness. If you're hearing that little voice calling that says you're meant for so much more in this journey, then I invite you to leave your comfort zone behind and learn more about becoming a certified coach at thisnakedmindinstitute.com. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.